0: Do you want to grow in your faith, in your character? Are you wise and want to be wiser? Well, one of the most important keys to your long-term success is proximity. The people you are in proximity to, your counselors, your coaches, your pastors, your friends, your companions, these people that you are in proximity to will, by large measure, determine your wins and losses. They will rub off on you. They will shape and mold your character. Today we discuss the friends you need and the friends you need to leave. You are listening to the All of Life Podcast. I'm Brandon Neely, and this is just a small part of my teaching ministry at Christ Church of Acadiana in Southwest Louisiana. For more resources, you can search We Are Christ Church in iTunes or over at SermonAudio.com. Our proverb of the day is Proverbs 13. 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. The more I continue to study the Proverbs, the more I am amazed at how much care Christ has for our daily practical success. You know, many people think of Jesus Christ as simply being Lord over the intangible over the spiritual, over the invisible parts of life. But Jesus Christ cares for our practical day-to-day life. He is Lord over heaven and earth. He is Lord over the visible and the invisible. And here in the Proverbs, he continues to show us practical keys for our life's success. He wants us to prosper. He wants us to be wise and not to suffer unnecessary harm. He is our Lord and he is faithfully looking over us. And here in this proverb, we are given by Christ himself one of the most important keys for living a pleasant life. A life that honors God. The key for our success here, I'm going to call proximity. You see, the basic paradigm of proximity is this. Your company, your counselors and companions will have a serious impact on your future. Walk with the wise, as the proverb says. Become wise. Become wiser. But choose fools as friends, or better yet, honestly, let fools choose you for friends, and not only will you begin to lose the wisdom you once had, you'll suffer unneeded harm. You're going to suffer loss, heartbreak, pain, poverty. The list of harm goes on and on for the friend of fools. You now, I think of King Ahab, one of the more famous villains in the Old Testament, he was a man who had it all. he was king. But near one of his palatial estates was a vineyard, a vineyard of a righteous man named Naboth. Now, as David saw Bathsheba from his rooftop, Ahab saw the fields of Naboth from his roof, rooftop, and, and he coveted them. He wanted them. He was going mad without the vineyards of Naboth. You see, God gives us all private property, a field to plow, a realm over which to exercise dominion and to steward and to bear a harvest. And Ahab had been given much, but he wanted more. Like Adam and Eve who spied the forbidden fruit, Ahab needed, he wanted, he lusted after that field. And so he went to Naboth and asked for it. Now this seems practical, but it was against the law of God. The state, King Ahab, that is, was not allowed to buy up all the land. The land was to belong to the families God had given it to. The land was to be in the possession of households, not kings. So while this may seem practical to us, it was sinful, and Naboth righteously refused. How can I give up the inheritance of my fathers, says Naboth? This wasn't sentiment. This was lawful obedience to God. He was to honor his fathers and family by receiving his inheritance and building on it. The state, King Ab- Ahab, you can't have it all. So Ahab, not getting what he wanted, began to pout. He was depressed. He went and laid on his couch for days. How much good it would have been for Ahab if he had had some good friends, some wise friends, some godly counselors who could show him that the laws of God are for our benefit and they are for our good and our prosperity. If they could have reminded him of his blessings and exhorted him to be content with what he had. But he had no wise friends. He had no one to show him the way. He had a wicked friend, a wicked counselor and it was his overbearing, dominant, doting, and evil wife, wife named Jezebel. She swooped in to save the day, and she got her little baby what he wanted. It was pleasant for a season, but in the end, everyone died. Jezebel's wife and Ahab fell into the trap they had set for Naboth. And to put a period on this story, Jezebel's corpse was eaten by wild dogs, a fitting end for an evil counselor. See, this story of demise at the hands of evil counselors is repeated throughout the Bible. In Second Chronicles twenty two, the young King Ahaziah was led astray and led to his death by his enticing and evil friends. He was just twenty two years old. He had received the crown, and he gathered around himself a bunch of enticing evil counselors, and it led to his destruction. In first Kings chapter twelve we see the very same thing. The foolish son Jeroboam refusing the wise counsel of his actual father, King Solomon. He gathered around himself, his peers, his foolish friends. He rejected the wise counsel of his elders. And the result was that the kingdom of Israel was split. You see, in the end, wicked friends will rub off on you. They will be your end. So, if you understand this principle, that the companion of wise men uh, becomes wiser, and the companion of fools suffers harm, if you understand this proverbial um, promise, then you must understand how to choose friends wisely. How can we know which friends we need and which ones to leave? Proverbs 1 shows us the way. Uh, let me read you just a few verses from Proverbs 1, and you can see in in it the, uh, the characteristics of evil counselors. Verse 10, my son, if Sinners entice you. Do not consent. You see here that one of the qualities of evil counselors and evil friends is that they are engaged in enticing. Like the forbidden fruit, they entice. If they say, Solomon says, come with us, we shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. Notice the enticing words. Notice the vision of success and prosperity that is promised. Notice the, uh, the feelings of affirmation and belonging and acceptance that they offer. My son, says Solomon, in Proverbs chapter 1, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. See, just to summarize, notice some of the characteristics of evil friends. They offer acceptance, a sense of belonging and affirmation. They really do feel like friends. You might think this odd. If they are evil, then why does it feel so good to be friends with them? Well, the forbidden fruit isn't unpleasant. You know, at least not at first. And the devil is an angel of light, and he dazzles your your eyes all the way into the darkness of hell. Not everything that glitters is gold, they say. And this adage is especially true for evil friends. They glitter, they shine, they promise easy money, easy sex, easy success. They entice, lure, cajole, and they do it with delicious and beautiful promises. Come with us. I sure hope your parents and pastors have helped you develop good discernment. Now, from personal experience, I know this, that when you call them on their phony promises, or when you point out some of the incongruities in their behavior and in their words, you will be quickly and sharply rebuked for being negative or overly critical. You really need to check your tone and the spirit that you say these things. But in reality, the only thing you need to check is the Word of God. And when their promises don't align, you know these are not the friends you need. These are the friends you need to leave. The attraction is a sense of belonging, affirmation, popularity, and easy wins. But these are not friends. These are enticers, and they will lead to your demise. On the contrary now, well-chosen friends can be a blessing to your soul. Friends like Jonathan was to David, who encouraged him in God. Jonathan came along the side of David, reminding him of the promises of God. Not making fake and false and big promises, but reminding him of the promises of God. Not enticing him to himself, but enticing him to follow after the ways of God. Talking about the law of God and the promises of God and the gospel of God. Showing him the path that he should walk in honor of Christ. This is what Jonathan did for David. He put inside of David true biblical courage. Both have promises, these enticers and these wise friends. Both paint pictures of the future, but only one set have their promises grounded in God. They will affirm you, these good friends, these wise friends. They will affirm you, but not all the time. They will hold you up in light of Scripture. They will measure you by the measuring rod of God's truth. They will at other times offer the faithful wounds of a friend, the rebukes, the corrections, and exhortations so needed in our lives. Don't accuse them of being hypercritical, not unless they are. Don't uh, accuse them of having evil and wicked tones when they hold you up in light of the Word of God. They're simply offering you correction and rebuke. This could save your life. They will put courage in you and light fires under you. Their actions and character will serve for you as a whetstone for your Christian character and zeal. Let me try to make this as plain as possible. The fools will offer all upside and no downside, at least at first. It's only after a season that you will come to see your life unraveling through their impact and effects. You will find yourself becoming dumber, duller, and suffering all manner of harm. But the wise friends you need will sharpen you. Iron sharpens iron, and that means from time to time there will be friction. Encouragement, yes. Affirmation, yes. But all in accord with Scripture, and never at the expense of the truth. Like-minded, faithful, and godly friends will sharpen you. They won't leave you as you are. They won't simply affirm and give you a sense of belonging. They will sharpen you but the companion of fools suffers harm. Listen, some of us need to get up and get going. We're social creatures. It's not good for us to be alone. We need friends. Friends like Lazarus was to Jesus and Jonathan was to David. A cord of two or three strands is not easily broken, says the scriptures. We have to break out of our self-serving loner statuses and develop those godly friendships which can keep us on the straight and narrow. Friends who can sharpen us. We need a church. We need a godly community. We need elders, pastors, coaches, teachers, friends. And we need them all to be sharp, courageous, godly, and wise. No more stumbling around with the wicked. It's time to get serious about the proximity principle. It's time to exercise effort to gather around yourself those who can help you walk closer to Christ. And if you've already found these friends, if you've found this church, if you've found these wise counselors and companions, Then practice the fine art of listening, opening up the ear as they speak of the law of God, of the law of sowing and reaping and the consequences of laziness versus diligence. Listen as they speak about the scriptures and they speak about the glorious truth of the the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help them to help you develop a sense of discernment. They don't entice. They don't market and cajole. They implore you to follow Christ more. To be a better husband, a better father, a better mother, a better wife, a better friend. These are the friends you need. And these are the friends you've got to practice listening to. This has been another episode of the All of Life podcast. I'm Brandon Neely. And if this has been beneficial to you, would you consider subscribing, share, review this podcast in iTunes? Sure would help me get the word out. And remember, if Christ has called you, he'll equip you, he'll protect you and he'll bless you along the way. Have a great day.